Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. You're listening to Yellow Wall Podcast. Back out top for Guerrero. He'll chip in onto the back post. Delaney in front, and it's one nothing. Christian Pulisic gives Dortmund the lead. Santa with a chance back inside. Gotcha to lay it off. Still alive here for Dortmund, and they find it. Hello all and welcome to episode 279 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko for yet another episode of the Yellow Wall Pod. Uh, Borussia Dortmund are yet to put us out of our misery, uh, keeping the title racer live until the final match day. And here with me to discuss all that before match day 34 and what went down on match day 33 and maybe even on match day 32 is... The one and only Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing well. The sun is shining and it's finally getting warmer in Colorado. It's probably only going to snow in three days. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if it's the impact of climate change, but the uh, weather here in Philadelphia has been up and down in the uh, recent weeks. And uh, yeah, it pains me to say that after a couple of warm days, it's now quite cold and uh, rainy again. So uh, rather English weather. But as a, as a German, I am very much used to that anyway. Um, so Matthias, you were on, um, you were traveling the past week and I was also a bit preoccupied with other things and somehow we did not manage to record a Yellow Wall podcast, which I very much apologize for. And, um, I'm not that sorry because, you know, talking about Dortmund throwing away a 2-0 lead in Bremen is also kind of painful. So, uh, also kind of nice not talking about that but um nevertheless here we are now Dortmund have a two-point deficit going into the final match day due to Bayern uh not sealing the deal against Leipzig with a scoreless draw meanwhile Dortmund uh with a very comfortable win <laughs> minus the last two minutes against Düsseldorf um and minus the entire second half and the penalty and all that Marvin hits But we'll get into that. So, um, Matthias, first things first. Did you expect Dortmund to have such a nervous um, finale in, in this game against Düsseldorf? Or did you expect that Dortmund would coast to maybe a 4-1, 4 nothing win against the Düsseldorf side that has very little left to play for? Well, I expected it to be, I don't know, maybe overall a little bit more comfortable and not so much. I don't want to do Düsseldorf a disservice. It seems... You know, that malaise they had for a few weeks, uh, specifically against Bayern, when <laughs> all was clear and they weren't going to be relegated, it seems that malaise is... play Luke oh, in this no. game. It, but it seems that malaise is now gone, and it's a good Fortuna Düsseldorf side. I mean, you have to say, they played really, really well. They played uh, for, for them. They played tough. Uh, they made life difficult for Dortmund. They had some great opportunities, especially towards the end, but even before that... Um, Dortmund were were the better side overall. Uh, statistically, they dominated, um, but uh, you know the matches obviously played out more than on statistics. From an eye test, uh, I actually watched it again this morning uh, because sometimes I like doing that to remove the emotion and just look at it in an unemotional sense and it felt more of an ebb and flow back and forth match than the statistics show that it actually was <laughs> but it, it felt that way and and not in the sense of oh my god Dortmund almost threw away a two-goal lead and It was super nervy, and, you know, it's different than, say, it was against Hoffenheim or specifically against Bremen the week before. I don't feel like Dortmund just pulled back and were trying to not concede. They were actively, they were up 2-1, they were still trying to score, which obviously they did, and they could have done more um, and then uh, got unlucky and lucky a few times in this match, without a doubt. <laughs> yes. Um, so... I want to get your take on, on this. Um, I've seen last tweets and I, uh, very much 
agree with that notion that I, for the life of me, cannot explain why you would start Brünlassen Guerrero on the left side over, um, and Guerrero as a left back for that matter over Marcel Schmelz as a left back and Guerrero then up front because Brünlassen once again didn't really do much. And, uh, it would have been nice for Marcel Schmelzer to get his 250th cap for, uh, Dortmund in the Bundesliga, um, as a starter, not as a, uh, yeah, basically just a honorary substitute. Yeah, but an honorary substitute who made a difference. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for his effort, uh, then the third goal never would have happened. Uh, so that is very, that is very true, but yeah. I mean, he could have also made that effort as a starter. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we can all agree that we, we don't know why Marcel Schmelza is not playing when you don't, I mean, you don't have a left back. Hakimi, no. Diallo, no. You're putting Guerrero back there, so you're eliminating him from the attacking threat, which is where he's proven to be so effective. And Brun Larsen, who's been, after a hot start, has really tapered off. And a lot of that's just down to the fact that he's a kid and he's still learning everything. So I'm not going to really put that much on him, but I don't understand why Schmelza isn't playing. And at the same time, I think I read today that they are planning on Schmelza being in Dortmund next season. And my question is why why i mean really just in case the shit really hits the fan and you have only five outfield players left and then you throw them out there i mean i just i don't i don't get it obviously you and last don't get it i think a lot of people out there are like i i don't know <laughs> well my, my theory is if uh, shit hits the fan uh, with lucien favre then you need someone competent to sabotage the whole situation and get him out of there because Schmitz yeah. obviously did that already competently with the the one and only Thomas Tuchel, so <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe maybe a bit of a side, uh, 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 you know, a little dig at Schmelzer there, but um, yeah, I I honestly I yeah I'm kind of feeling bad for Schmelzer at, at this point. I I don't I really think that uh, his football talents dropped off so severely that uh, you know the the makeshift defense that you you know had been playing for i don't know the last couple of months which didn't really cover itself in glory uh was so much better without schmelzer in there i just don't see that so um yeah that's something that that uh unnerved me a little bit right from the start uh, to see this this lineup um but yeah i mean dortmund got it over the line in the end and i mean the plus minus on schmelzer uh is still uh <laughs> it's still zero after uh coming on because dortmund also conceded another goal but um yeah there, there you go. Just, just uh, one discussion. Obviously, um, it was uh, the uh, last home match for Christian Pulisic, who uh, got his uh, farewell uh, before the match, as it is usual. Uh, you know, the uh, bouquet of flowers and uh, then a canvas of uh, your best moments for for the club. And I think he. Uh, had a couple of words uh, toward the Dortmund fans, grabbed the microphone, which is, I think, a very nice thing to do. Not all, all players do that. And uh, Pulisic said that, uh, you know, Dortmund will always feel like home to him, which is uh, very nice. And then, of course, he was the one to also break deadlock with a very painful header because he crashed into the goalkeeper of Fortuna Düsseldorf, uh, Mr. Rensing. So... Matthias, Christian Pulisic and his last, I, I want to say, pretty emotional home match. Uh, how did you see it? And uh, yeah, how happy I, are you with his, I, let's say, refound form? Well, it's great to see. I mean, he obviously, the, 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 I saw the wonder, wonder solo. Um, but this was nice. His last match at home for Dortmund scoring. Uh, not, not a classic, beautiful goal, but hey, ever. They all count. Um, and showing a lot of emotion before the match. And then, um, in, in, in his very, very good German saying goodbye and everything. And it's, it's great to see. Um, I wish him, well, I'd say I wish him all the best. I wish him all the best for the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> uh, I don't know about Chelsea because it's Chelsea, but, um, no, I wish him all the best personally, and who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe he is that uh, hero at the end next week. 
who uh, says goodbye to Dortmund with a German Bundesliga title. You never know. You never know. Sports is weird. We saw what happened in the Champions League, so anything's possible, obviously. But no, I think his return to form has been uh, invaluable. I mean, he's he's been great to watch again. And maybe all of that time away and not really playing and getting his head straight, and maybe that's exactly what he needed because he's still such a young player. So I'm glad to see that uh, his farewell in Dortmund wasn't just sitting on the bench and scowling or being upset at referee. Instead, he went out, he's doing his job, and he's doing it really, really well. Yeah, after the uh, McElroy suspension, I, I basically asked whether this is a moment for Christian Pulisic to take advantage of. And uh, he took that question and uh, answered it in a resounding yes, because uh, that's exactly what he did. And uh, I think Christian Pulisic, um, you know, had a, had a couple of good moments in, in both these games against Bremen and Düsseldorf, where he, you know, beat his marker and, and created chances. And, and stuff like that. So it's it's good to see him also revitalize, re, uh, and that sort of already shows you um, how healthy it can be. Excuse me to have a um, very healthy rotation. You know that you maybe don't play these youngsters every week and and week week out. I mean we see it with Jaden Sancho as well that he, you know, after playing so many minutes, has a little drop in form and, uh, you know, his decision-making suffers a little bit. And sometimes I just wish that you would, you know, sit him out for a game or maybe even two and then bring him back and or, or just as a super sub and and just, uh, yeah, just have this little rotation. I, I think Lucien Favre uh, prefers to have his permanent starting 11 if, if possible, but I, I really think that especially with these young players, you just need to give them a, a break every now and then. And um, even though Pulisic breaks were mostly down to uh, injury, I, I think his form also played a role. But uh, yeah, having him reintroduced a little sooner, I think wouldn't have hurt. But yeah, it's it's just um, nice for him to, you know, his last game in, in the yellow shirt at this stadium to to be a positive experience and not go out with you know so, sort of a, a twisted feeling where you sort of happy at looking back what you achieved but at the same time are very uh, angry at, at the game itself so um yeah i think we will talk about christian Pulisic at length uh, in, in the future as well um so yeah let's just move on here um obviously the uh Goal for Dortmund happened in the uh, 41st minute and Dortmund did not create too many chances. And it was a nice assist of Thomas Delaney who uh, had a pretty good game by the standard that the rest of the team, I thought, didn't really excel. And Thomas Delaney um, then, of course, um, scored um, the, the second goal for Dortmund. But that came only after uh, Oliver Fink scored um, in the 47 minute, I think two minutes into the second half or so. Um, with a big Marvin Hitz blunder. Um, Matthias, how come uh, Dortmund's goalkeepers make such terrible mistakes with their arms two match days in a row? First, Roman Bürki having the uh, equivalent of whiskey dick in his arm, <laughs> and then uh, Marvin Hitz basically marshalling the ball from his hands through his legs, which was also an amazing feat to achieve. Um, how how does this happen? Is it concentration? Is it I don't know. To me, that's the that that's the only explanation really that the focus level is not where it's supposed to be on in these minutes. Well, um, actually, there's the very realistic theory of both of them are Swiss, and Swiss cheese has holes in it, <laughs> and so that's why the ball went through the five hole, so to speak, a hockey term there, uh, into the goal. But no, um, I mean, as far as Bucky, I'm not sure it was probably a momentary lapse. Uh, for a keeper who's been absolutely fantastic all season, it's like you can kind of forgive. A momentary lapse, but ugh, you know, that's the problem with keepers. A, a player in the field makes a mistake nine times out of ten, it doesn't immediately result in a goal, except if you're Manuel Akanji in one situation in the same match. Um, <laughs> but with a keeper, but <laughs> why keep do you bring the pain back? Sorry, Matthias? <laughs> sorry, but when a keeper makes so a mistake, bad. it usually costs a goal. 
I mean, nine times out of ten, it's a goal for the opposition, so it makes you look even sillier, which is really not fair. With hits, to me, it's rustiness. I mean, he hasn't played in I don't know how long, and so it's probably just rustiness and lapse of concentration. I personally am not a huge Mavin Hits fan. I've never thought he's been a great keeper. Uh, that's why I thought it was kind of laughable when people said, oh, he could take over for Buki ahead of the season. It's like, no, Buki is significantly better than Mavin Hits. Let's, you know, chill a little bit here. Um, so well, it was... It's, 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 sorry, a super... Roman Bucci, we at least have have this uh, one thing point of criticism going by that goal, for example, uh, that he can work on. It's just his focus. You know, he didn't really face too many shots in in, in this game and up until this point. Uh, but um, you know, the shot wasn't really hard. But I think Mervold was it who scored it, right? So um, it it should have been a routine save, really. But um, I think Roman Weidfeller explained his basically stoplight system, um, where he has different levels of concentration and focus, and depending on whether the the ball is far away, then you basically relax your mind, and if it's you know it there there could be danger. It's on on uh, on on yellow, and if 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 you really need to have your focus on the highest level, then it's basically really high red deep breath i don't i don't know um this is basically how i explain it and this is what sort of helped him in in the end to to achieve the level he played on throughout let's say 2012 2013 maybe even 2014 although now after the world cup weinfeller was ruined forever um but yeah this is maybe that uh something that roman Burki has to work on that on the deciding stretch of the season that you Especially in a game where, where you don't have to make safe after safe that you were, uh, you know, completely switched on when it actually matters. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Uh, no, I, um, yeah, I mean, the, the lapse of concentration with Buki, I mean, that's the one thing you can say. Uh, his reflexes are great. His saving is great. Yeah, he's not the greatest playing out from the back, but honestly, watching a lot of goalkeepers play, there are very few that are very good at it, uh, to be honest. Um, and you can kind of, it's, it's, it's almost the, the Manuel Noya phenomenon where he doesn't face a lot of shots. And then this season, it seemed like, Obviously, it wasn't, but it seemed like every third shot went in. Um, but that's also statistically kind of it's going to screw you over a little bit in that sense when you don't face a lot of shots. Um, but with hits, I think it's just rustiness. Uh, I'm going to not quite go into the constant 90-minute narrative from uh, Fox Sports about, oh, he's fragile. He's horrible. Just shoot. He's horrible. Oh, he's fragile. He's so frazzled. It's like you're not in his head, Okay. Chill out, Jovan Kurovsky. Calm down, um, and and let's let's move on to another narrative. Hits did not have a good match. There's no, yeah, yeah I'm not going to excuse that, uh, or try to say he had a great match and he just got unlucky once or twice. No, he did not have a good match. But um, that that's just it's a narrative that needs to you need to move on from that. There was more at play um, in this match than Mavin hits screwing up one um, opportunity because obviously. Dusseldorf had the chances to draw or win. I mean, Dortmund did too. But uh, when you really look at, I mean, Dusseldorf missed a penalty and then right at the end got one right over the goal and one square across hits his goal. So, I mean, Dusseldorf also with a red card. And that was a 100% clear red card. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, and just be happy that he didn't destroy Jaden Sancho's knee. Uh, with that horrendous tackle. So uh, Dortmund getting lucky, but for the majority of the match, they were the better side. So um, if you look at the entirety of the match, Dortmund definitely deserved to win it. Yeah, no no doubt. I, I think Dortmund overall was definitely the better team. Um, yeah, it was kind of infuriating once again um when uh i mean to to me it was a penalty i don't know how, how you saw it but when uh marvin hits bumped into luca Bacchio, i i thought that was certainly a call that you can give um even though luca luca Bacchio had already fired that shot off before uh, making contact with the goalkeeper um i think it was fair that the referee pointed to the spot 
But what um, angered me is that, and it's it's probably not easy to salvage that, but you basically going through a concussion check, which uh, apparently just pertains to look at my finger and uh, I will see whether your eyes can follow it or not, um, which is, you know, a very superficial concussion protocol, if you even want to call it that. And then, you know, literally the next moment of the game is you have to save a penalty. Um, I just don't see how this can be a healthy thing. So, um, yeah, this is, I don't know. I don't want to go on an extended rant, but, um, I think this season alone has shown so many examples of why we, we need to have a rule change from, from FIFA directly uh, pertaining to head injuries because, uh, I feel like they're piling up and players, um, are playing when they should not play and there needs to be something of a remedy here something has to give um that may maybe another sub just for concussions the concussion sub or so i don't know might be abuse or so but matthias there there needs to be a change uh head injuries need to be taken far more seriously and i feel um maybe we need to start with having independent doctors or so i don't know i agree what, I what, what do you think about that but uh yeah the the way it's going right now it's just not good for the players and i don't want them to have long-term head injuries and, and all these problems that we've seen from from the nfl um yeah it's it's just not good <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I agree with you think uh may, maybe we should do make it mandatory or or even uh you know for for the entire uh league to play with a helmet like Kilini or so <laughs> it would would look quite ridiculous but at this point uh why why not have a little helmet or, or something to um yeah cushion the blow so to speak like Kilini or no is it is it Kilini I don't know who am I thinking of or Peter Check Peter Check you know yeah. yeah 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 no I mean I I don't I wouldn't go quite that far. I mean, obviously, Czech had the the skull fracture, which is why. Um, so it's just you know you, you don't mess with that. You don't want you don't literally want a mushy brain. Um, obviously, the 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 starkest example was Jan Fatong in the Champions League, where I don't understand how that man was ever allowed back on the pitch. And it's not up to the referee. The referee asked, I don't know how many times, the medical staff from Tottenham, and they were like, no, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He gets on the pitch and starts vomiting. It's like, oh, yeah, he's totally fine. Um, yeah, and I saw that concussion protocol, so to speak, with Marvin Hitz, and it's like, really? Follow my finger? How many fingers am I holding? I mean, <laughs> I, I remember concussion protocols like that playing American football in the 90s where they're like, uh, what day is it? What's your name and what's the score? That's not a concussion protocol. And, and you should know these days. I mean, there are players whose careers have ended because of too many uh, concussions. Just think of here in the U.S. with Taylor Twellman uh, as the best example. And so it's it's frustrating to see that. I, and it it's not that hard it's there's plenty of money in the sport, especially at the higher levels. The lower leagues, it's probably it's just not going to happen. Uh, but at at the Bundesliga, it's the Bundesliga Champions League. There's enough money at play that you can have. I mean, hell, you if you can have a VAR ref and I don't know how many other refs and this, that, and the other, you can pay for an independent doctor to be there to make an evaluation. And even if you don't bring a player on as a concussion sub maybe the opposition has to take one off <laughs> during that time uh which actually could make for an interesting match unless of course it's the keeper um which would actually be really interesting then yeah just even schalke can score 20 minutes <laughs> yeah i mean even bad teams can score a ton of goals then possibly i don't know maybe um but um something clearly has to be done um given the fact that vociferous racial abuse on a constant level by fans isn't barely addressed i don't have a lot of hope for concussions being addressed yeah. uh, given that players are a pawn for people to make a ton of money and nothing more nothing less uh, and yes i am reading fo uh, football leagues right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah which will probably make you all the more less cynical which is nice to hear um 
Um, though for listeners who are maybe not um, accustomed to the concussion protocol in the NFL, can you maybe um, explain what exactly is being done, what the procedure is? Well, I mean, I don't know all the all the details of it. Um, obviously, there's there's an independent doctor, uh, no longer team doctors, and the the reason for that is very very simple. Team doctors are under pressure from a team to put a player back out there, especially if it's a key player. If you have someone independent who's paid by the league or however they're compensated, not tied to a team, um, he doesn't care. His only goal is testing that player. Um, you know, be that going back into the locker room, don't do it pitch side, bring him into the locker room, do a proper evaluation, X number of minutes. Um, to because you'll have that delayed reaction. If you think of uh, Vatongan's situation, he you know he had a bloody nose, all that kind of stuff, and he was like, "No, oh, I'm good." And he started walking because you can have a delayed reaction. As someone who's had concussions, you can have a delayed reaction where you think you're okay, but then after a little bit, you clearly are not. Um, and all of those steps are are put into place. And the key thing is. What FIFA cannot afford to do, they can't be as reactionary as the NFL has become. Uh, the NFL put in the concussion protocol because of lawsuits. Had there not been lawsuits, they may not have had a concussion protocol. Football cannot afford to be sued by players down the line. Now, obviously, the rate of brain injuries due to concussions is significantly lower in the Bundesliga than, say, the NFL or the NHL or rugby. Um, but it's still there. I mean, I I lost a very good friend because of um, concussion syndrome, so to speak. Um, he took his own life because of that, and he was a professional football player. So it is not something you mess around with. And as such, I would hope that the Bundesliga, even if FIFA doesn't take it seriously, I would hope that individual leagues take it seriously or UEFA takes it seriously because FIFA is FIFA, okay? Um, I don't trust them to do anything right. But at least UEFA and then the individual leagues to do something uh, to make sure that a player doesn't go out. I mean, Christoph Kama, the World Cup, I mean, he never should have been left let back onto the pitch for Germany against Argentina. Uh, and that was five years ago, and nothing has been done since. And that was the biggest match on the biggest stage in the sport. And since then, nothing's been done. Um, and yeah, he still not remembers. No, no. And, and, and you know, uh, it's, it's sad, and I hope something gets done, but I have very, very little hope that anything will be done. Yes, players... Uh who can prove that uh, they have negative me uh, medical effects due to concussions. Please sue your brains out. Uh, I think Matthias hit it on the nail on the head, <laughs> uh, which is that uh, lawsuits and money are the only things that motivate uh, rules to be changed, apparently. Uh, just goodwill and, and uh, you know, mental health apparently alone are not big enough motivations, but uh, I think we should... Uh, keep this debate alive and, and hopefully uh you know other people can add a little bit more pressure on on uh reigning officials and yeah so anyway um from from this uh very um yeah underwhelming subject and how it's being treated um maybe we should go to the very peak moment of the match which came in the 92nd minute and that was mario Götze's first touch and then finish through the leg of a defender into the goal past Rensing, who had no chance of, of saving that. Um, it was a bit of havoc in the box, but the way Götze, you know, brought down that ball and and, and went for goal was, uh, to me, that was a world-class move and uh, just a beauty to watch. And just another example of how valuable Mario Götze is to this team. So if you want to um, expand on, on that very move, please be my guest. Well, Mario Götze doesn't score ugly and boring goals, it seems. Um, uh, many of his goals this season uh, have been of the highest quality and showcase the highest quality that he has. Um, if I would say Marco Reus was the player of the first half of the season, Mario Götze is definitely the best player in the second half of the season, in my opinion, at least. Um, and he showed it again. He was 
aside from Delaney, who's probably the best player on the pitch. And that goal finished it off quite nicely. So, um, and it was good to see that Schmitz, I got involved because uh, his effort, let's put it that way, uh, even led to the ball landing where it did at the end. Yeah, I think there was another player in, in between that. Yeah, but, uh, but the, the original effort, the yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so um, any, anyway, <laughs> then uh, we all thought, ha, <laughs> that seals it. And uh, I was uh, literally saying to my wife, uh, even if Dortmund concede another goal and before I could finish the sentence that uh, it wouldn't matter because Düsseldorf definitely would not score another one, uh, that's exactly the moment where Düsseldorf scored <laughs> the 3-2 and I was like, oh God, <laughs> I hope I did not jinx this now. Um And yeah, I mean, it was a well-taken goal. The offside trap didn't quite work. There was nothing that Marvin Hitz uh, could do about that goal. Um So um yeah, Dusseldorf were just more tenacious, but um Matthias maybe in in a bit of a broader way, um how infuriating was it to see this happen um and Dusseldorf basically having a, a final onslaught, being down to ten men and Dortmund not finding a way to just control the game and have possession? I wasn't surprised, um, also because if there's one thing you have to say about Dusseldorf this season is they never give up, they never stop. Um, the fact that Ihan and uh, Kovnatsky were the two players involved in that goal isn't surprising since they are arguably the two best players from Dusseldorf this season, uh, along with Luka Bakiok. So I... It was frustrating because you had a man advantage, but even after going down a man, Dusseldorf didn't stop playing. They didn't box up. It, it's really weird for me because usually Funke ball tended to always be rather defensive minded. And this Dusseldorf team doesn't really play that way. They play with a lot more, um, aggression and attacking spirit. And so I wasn't really overly surprised. Yes, it was annoying uh, to concede like that. And then to have two rather large opportunities for Dusseldorf to get an equalizer right at the end. Um, but I'm glad it didn't happen because it wouldn't have been fair uh, looking at the entirety of the match where Dortmund were the better side. And so it would have been, uh, it wouldn't have been fair to then concede and you know, you have a draw at the end um, because it's not like Dortmund just sat back after getting the leads uh, that for once they didn't do that in the last few over the if you look at the last couple of months where they did tend to do that uh, almost like Favre thought, man, we're not going to be champions anyway. So now we've got nothing to defend in that sense. Uh, but of course they did because by that time the the uh, Bayern Leipzig match had ended. So I don't know, maybe maybe somehow that got through to somebody and all of a sudden everybody uh, succumbed to the pressure a little bit. I don't know. But I, it's not really down to that, I think. It was just Dusseldorf don't give up. And so you conceded a couple of set pieces at the end. But um, thankfully, um, Dortmund managed to see out the result this time. <laughs> yeah, somehow, I mean... <laughs> Uh, for, first uh, conceding a corner and then giving away a free kick and I think it was the, the uh, stoppage time the other time was 5 minutes and the, the final shot to what Dortmund's goal was uh, fired uh, well in 7 minutes I think after um, you know the end of regular time but yeah um, so somehow they survived but um, it's just yet another testament to how brittle this Dortmund team currently is and uh, does not make me very optimistic for the final ma match day that Dortmund can right now see out of the result. I, I feel like the uh, the overall headline of, of recent weeks, just not pertaining to Dortmund, but I, I feel like football in general is not only the safe. Uh, we've seen it certainly in the Champions League with Barcelona throwing away a 3-0 home win and uh, Ajax... Yeah, also being up three goals and then throwing that away. Um, it's quite annoying. Um, I wish Dortmund would be a little bit more robust when it comes down to um, managing a, a lead. And usually, especially from a Lucien Favre side, I expected more, especially at the end of the season, because we know Lucien Favre teams usually, they don't really press high. 
um, the entire time. They, they are quite comfortable in sitting a bit deeper and I wish Dortmund were actually comfortable in, in doing that and, um, you know, just eating the pressure a little bit better and, and uh, handling it better. And also, more importantly, uh, being more effective on a transition. I don't know what it is with Dortmund, but I think they should be at this point of the season much better in uh, stringing up counterattacks than they are. Um, so often they have failed to kill off a game, and I think their um, yeah way of of botching counterattacks has a lot to do with it. Um, especially against Bremen, I think you had several chances to to kill this game off on the counter or you know with set pieces or so. We all uh, remember that Diallo miss. So um, that is quite uh, unnerving. And I think this is something Lucien Favre needs to work on uh, again because there was a period this season where Dortmund were absolutely lethal on the counterattack and killed a lot of teams just, um, you know, not creating much at all and then having this one really, uh, yeah, well-executed counterattack and uh, boom, you're uh, up again. Uh, I'm thinking especially about the uh, comeback against Leverkusen or um, I think even the home match against Leverkusen. Dortmund had a couple of good counterattacks. And I think this needs to come back in a more consistent way, especially with the players you have that have also so much pace. Um, yeah. So um, please, Mr. Favre, bring back the counterattack. It's something he said at the very beginning uh, when he was introduced as a new head coach. He said uh, a great team needs to be good at counter attacks otherwise they are not being feared and i think um we are seeing this play out right now that teams um are getting way too emboldened to attack dortmund and basically push them back into their own half and see all uh 20 outfield players in in dortmund's half and this shouldn't happen i think uh, other teams need need to be a bit more scared about dortmund's counter attacks especially bayern munich um because the way they beat dortmund with this five nothing when um was a bit too easy and Dortmund just should have punished them more often. So um yeah, end of end of counter-attacking rant, but uh yeah, please uh work on that. Maybe we'll see it against Gladbach in the final match day where Dortmund maybe kill off a game. I don't know how this game will go, but uh yeah, maybe let's talk about this because it is the final match of the season. The stakes could not be any higher for Dortmund. Uh they can still win the league but for that they obviously need to hope that Eintracht Frankfurt win the game in Munich um, so my personal hopes on that are not too high but you never know but first Dortmund need to do their homework and beat right now fourth place Gladbach so um, that's what makes it really interesting Gladbach right now on a Champions League spot but they are level on points with Bayer Leverkusen and uh, the goal difference is only um, differing by two meager goals and we know that Peter Bosch team can uh, yeah, tally up goals if they want to uh, they recently beat Frankfurt by 6-1 and uh, Leverkusen are playing in Berlin and Berlin have not covered themselves in glory recently so they are set and of course Eintracht Frankfurt are only one point behind Gladbach and uh, they have a slightly better goal difference by one goal so um, just, just to uh, yeah talk about the settings of of this game uh it's, it's going to be a very interesting final match day uh, matthias so um going into this game away to gladbach how do you see dortmund's chances of going coming away with all three points well, I think they've got a very good chance of, of winning this match. Uh, Gladbach have been chasing their form, let's put it that way, in the second half of the season. They just dropped Nürnberg um, for nothing, though. It, well, yeah, but it's also Nürnberg. Um, Not every team wins there, you know. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But that being said, that was a blip rather than a regular occurrence over the last couple of months. Um, maybe it's one last hurrah for Dita Hecking. Uh, or they crumble. I mean, honestly, I have no idea what to expect from Gladbach. Um, maybe 15 own goals from Torgan Azad. That, that'd be okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, aside from that unlikely occurrence, um, I think Dortmund has every chance of winning this match. They are better, um, than Gladbach, but I don't know which Gladbach they're going to face. Are they going to face a Gladbach side that's full of confidence and plays as well as they did in the first half of the season? Or is it going to be a Gladbach side that 
easily crumbles when push comes to shove and is highly inconsistent during a match. That's that's kind of the up in the air thing. I'm, I'm actually not sure about which Borussia you're talking about right now. Well, I'm not as negative as you are, well. Stefan. <laughs> no, but I mean, with Dortmund, Dortmund, uh, the thing is, I don't think anybody can say uh, Dortmund falls asleep at the wheel consistently in the first half of a match um, in the second half of the season. It's funny. The beginning of the season, they said, well, if Dortmund played in the beginning like they did at the end of matches, they would win, you know, it, it would be more comfortable. And now it's almost like the other way around. Uh, be that as it may, two teams that are trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, I have more faith in, in Dortmund and in Favre than I do in Hecking and Gladbach. But at the same time, uh, I have very little faith in Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, just because they are tired. They look tired. Adi Hütta did say that they're going to come out and attack Bayern, which kind of leads me to believe that Bayern are going to completely destroy them uh, for some reason. I just have that that bad feeling. So, honestly, even though there's still every chance that Dortmund could win the title, I just don't think it's going to happen. And not so much because Dortmund is somehow going to bottle it against Gladbach, even though that's absolutely possible, because Gladbach are not a bad side. I think it's more down to the fact that Bayern are going to beat Frankfurt. Yeah, I, I think if Bayern wanted to bottle the title, they needed to lose in Leipzig and not have a scoreless draw. And this just not uh, materialized. So, um, yeah, Eintracht Frankfurt, um, I've seen most of their recent games because, um, they, uh, yeah, usually play on the Sunday and Champions League and all that, uh, uh, Europa League, sorry. Um, and yeah, I think saying that they're looking tired is quite of the understatement. I mean, they had a very long season. And what we see is, is in Frankfurt, they sort of have, have good moments in the game, but, the 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 highest level of focus is just gone. There's just an element of sloppiness in in their team that you just can't get you know just can't get away from anymore because of the the tiredness, the fatigue from a long season. Um, we I think we're seeing the same effect with Dortmund also to a certain extent, even though they had so many uh, weeks off now without a midweek fixture, um, they are, are still just not playing on their highest level. And, uh, yeah, as, as much as I would hope that, uh, Reinhard Raubal hands the Meisterschale out in, uh, the Borussia Park on, uh, Saturday, I just don't see it happening because Frankfurt, um, you know, they had this big upset in the, in the cup last year. And obviously we have the narrative of Nico Kovac against his old team, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see it happening, um, at this point in the, Hinrunde, when uh, Bayern traveled to Frankfurt. Frankfurt actually had a pretty good chance of beating them, but um, were also just too tired at this point and uh, really needed that winter break. So, um, yeah. And this is why I'm not too hopeful, but it's sport and you never know. So, um, all I'm saying is I watched the Sixers uh, lose in game seven on uh, a Kawi jump shot from, you know, behind the three point line. And, uh, you know, it needed four bounces to bounce in. So everything can happen in sport. We all know that. But for now, my, my hopes aren't really that high. But who knows? The heat of the moment can obviously change it in a, in a heartbeat. Um, I think we had a little bit of drama in the uh, Premier League on the final match day between Liverpool and Manchester City, uh, where Brighton took the lead at first. But I also just don't think that uh, even if Frankfurt take the lead, that, uh, Bayern will not come back from that un unless Bayern shoot themselves in the foot in such historic fashion as uh, Dortmund did against Schalke. Um, otherwise, I don't, I don't see such an upset happening. So this is something that makes it all the more frustrating that Dortmund lost to Schalke and, and dropped points in Bremen and so on and so forth. Because I really thought that within the final four match days, Dortmund had a very good chance of uh, bringing themselves into pole position for the last match day, but uh, yeah, they did not use that chance at all. Uh, they lost to Schalke in quite the embarrassing fashion, and then two real brain farts against Bremen. And here we are, two points behind Bayern for what could be level on points. Do I see 
Frankfurt maybe getting a, bra a draw at Bayern, probably, but uh, Frankfurt winning altogether in the Allianz Arena, I just don't see that. So, um, yeah, I I think it's it's the best and the most sane thing for everyone to go into this game with very low expectations pertaining a possible championship. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there, even though, of course... Ne? Hoffnung stirbt zuletzt. Yes. Hope dies last. Uh, and, <laughs> but but it will die uh, eventually. No, um, until it's not possible, I'm still believing it's possible. But uh, yeah, don't don't necessarily do that. It may not be good for you. But um, that being said, it's great to that that is, there's even a chance that there's a title decider on the last match day of the Bundesliga. It's been a few seasons since then, uh, and Stefan, you and I. We kind of looked that one up before recording. Yes, it at, was at BVB Boston asked yeah, on, on Twitter. Ten what, years ago. Yeah. What the last one was, whether it was two, six, and seven. No, was what was it? Two thousand. Oh eight, oh nine. Yeah, when Gladbach, uh, Gladbach, when Wolfsburg won it, and it was actually until the thirty-third match day, there were four teams involved in the title race with Wolfsburg, Bayern, Stuttgart, and Hertha. Um, and then Hertha screwed up on the thirty-third match day, and then it was down to. Wolfsburg against Bremen and Stuttgart and Bayern played against each other. Bayern won, but Wolfsburg won, and so Wolfsburg became champions. Woo! Um, and but that was the last time. But that one was even more exciting because there were significantly more clubs involved uh, in that title race. So uh, it's it's been a little bit since then. Yeah, I mean, the, the the problem is we we call this a very bad Bayern year, but they will, if they win against Frankfurt, will finish the season out on 78 points. And uh, this is still a very good uh, count for for the Bundesliga uh, to, to win it. Um, I mean, Dortmund were quite unlucky in, in recent years uh, where they finished second with a very, you know, high point margin. Um but it was not enough. It would have been enough in probably most of the uh, recent 50 years or so. But uh, yeah, um, that's that's the issue for Dortmund at Bayern, even uh, when they're quote unquote weak. Um, that yeah, it's 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 still not enough. Um, but I think Dortmund actually had very good chances to finish the season on on 79 points. Um, but yeah, here we are. At least for for now, they have uh, scored 79 goals so uh, there's that but I think it it's also just really worrying overall that Dortmund now have uh, after 33 match days conceded uh, 44 goals I mean when they play against Gladbach um, they will uh, face a team that only conceded 40 goals um, Leipzig the third place team right now the best defense in the league with 27 goals Bayern have scored uh, conceded 31 and uh, even Frankfurt have conceded less with 43. So um, this really, um, you know, tells you where Dortmund are. And uh, we all know the saying, defense wins the championship. And I think in the end, uh, this is what Dortmund have to look at. Uh, I don't know if it's just down to personnel and the many, um, you know, forced rotation due to injuries or um, if if there's a little bit more to it. Um, Matthias, I think we can analyze that uh, once the season is, is over. But um, yeah, that's to me is, is the main problem in the second half of the season. I don't want to just leaking way too many goals. Um, yeah, so I mean, if you concede four against Schalke, that should say it all, really. Anyway. Yep, I agree. And a lot of extenuating circumstances in it as well. And, and obviously that's something we can talk about um, on our season review podcast in the future yeah, at an so, undisclosed date. Yeah, so so what's interesting, obviously, about, about Gladbach is Torgenhazar. He is probably going to Dortmund. And uh, we all know that Gladbach players uh not necessarily always performing on the final uh, game before they move to the future club. Uh, I think most prominently it was Lothar Matthäus in the cup final before he joined Bayern. Um, but if we look at, at uh, this Gladbach team, I think they have a very great um, front four or, or three or whatever with Hazard, Drimic and Traoré. And, and uh, I think they have capable uh, midfielders with Neuhaus, who to me was a revelation this season. And... Uh, 
Kramer and Zakaria now, um, even though that has switched around a lot. And of course, um, you know, they, they have Alessandro Player hanging around and, and Jonas Hofmann, who I think played a very solid season. I mean, he got a lot of shit and hate from, from Dortmund fans, but, uh, I thought he really stepped it up. And of course, um, one of the winners this season is definitely Matthias Ginter, a center back next to Elvedi, uh, in the Gladbach backline. Um, uh, it really helps Ginter to permanently play in that center back spot. And he has certainly solidified and, uh, his performance level has been showing up, which is why he is uh, now a consistent, I, I think even starter for the German national team now that, uh, <laughs> Hummels and Boateng were retired by Yo Yogi Löw. So they're set. And, uh, obviously with, uh, Oscar Wendt, you have the veteran left back at 33. And interesting also that, uh, Hacking introduced Luis Bayer, who's just 18 years old as a right back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a nice team with a nice mix of players that are either, um, yeah, old and experienced and young, but I think it's a, it's a really good mix. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if we'll see, uh, Raphael or not, whether he's injured or not. I, I think I've, I've read that, uh, Gladbach have all their resources available, but, uh, you know, recording on the Monday, it's hard to say that indefinitely. So I don't know. It's, it's a bit early for team news, but if you look at this Gladbach team and what hacking has done to lead them on to place four, before the end of the season, um, I mean, that's, that's a really good Gladbach season, right? Um, how have you watched them how many times this season and how, how, uh, glad were you at seeing, you know, a team like Gladbach being on the rise again? Well, I, I haven't seen them as much as in the past. Um, they had a great start to the season, not so great end to the season overall, but uh, hey, that happens to the best Borussia's out there even. Um, but having a club like Borussia Mönchengladbach vying for the Champions League, just like in Eintracht Frankfurt, is very, very good for the Bundesliga um, and, and for fans, because obviously you have... RB Leipzig, and we don't have to go into detail as to the horrendous abomination that is RB Leipzig, or even the fact that Bayer Leverkusen uh, also pushing for Champions League. I'd rather see a Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, in there than a Leipzig or even a Leverkusen um, or a Wolfsburg, who they have no chance of getting it unless there's a massive goal swing, like Dortmund beating the crap out of Gladbach and Wolfsburg winning really high in the last match day um so it's it, it's good to see um they're gonna have a very good coach next season and so i expect even with azad going and a few changes i think gladbach will be better next season so getting into the champions league and getting the champions league revenue especially because i believe this last season was the first one in a few years where they made a loss uh, will be very, very critical for the further development of Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, I, I really, uh, you know, have to praise Max Eberl again. I, I, I said it before a couple of episodes um, uh, recently, but bringing in Marco Rose um, at a time where you are basically playing for the Champions League spot and, uh, you know, have a really good season. I don't know. I think it's it's their best season. I don't know how many years. Um, I don't know if that's still true after they have lost a couple of games and dropped points here and there. Um, but yeah, it, it still, you know, takes some, some grit to basically say, all right, Mr. Hacking, you have done whatever you could, but now it's time to bring in the hot shit from Salzburg. Um, it was a bold move because I think a lot of other clubs have been eyeing, uh, Rose and yeah. So that's uh, quite interesting. Um, also, while, while we're at the subject, uh, I hardly noticed the, the news, but uh, it it broke this uh, last week that Schalke have hired Dave Wagner, uh, former under-23 coach at Dortmund and Jürgen Klopp prodigy. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, well, I mean, David Wagner was, was available. Of course, he's a Eurofighter, uh, part of the, uh, Schalke setup that won the UEFA Cup in 1997. Uh, 
the same time that Dalton won the Champions League. (laughs) Um, So there is a link to the club. There's obviously a link to the region. He also played for other clubs in Nordrhein-Westfalen. So it's not overly surprising given the other managers who I would say are higher quality or have the ability to have higher aspirations were taken and would not go to Schalke. I mean, good. No. Um, so for Wagner, it's, it's actually, it makes sense for him. Makes sense for Schalke. Uh, he, he, he brings something, which of course in German we call Stallgeruch. So, uh, you know, he smells like Schalke basically. Um, and, uh, bring kind of that fighting, pressing, aggressive nature that he showed stable at smell. Dortmund. <laughs> a stable smell. Yeah. Smell of the, of horse manure. Um, he smells like Gelsenkirchen. Anyway, um, <laughs> bringing that style to Schalke, I think will be good for Schalke. It'll be good for the Bundesliga. Not necessarily good for Dortmund because they're going to be, um, a, a better side, I think, with, David Wagner, then, uh, well, definitely with Hoop Stevens going, and you could even say with Tedesco, they're going to play a little bit more on the front, or a lot more on the front foot, than they have over the last two seasons, so I, to me, it makes sense. I think it's a good good fit for both uh, the coach and the team, or, or the club. The question, of course, is what is the team, the squad, he's going to have at his disposal, given that they are not going to be playing in Europe, and I also don't foresee them having a miraculous turnaround next season and being in the Champions League. I mean, maybe they'll be a contender to get into the Europa League, but again, it comes down to players. And the problem is, of course, uh, Clemens Tunius, uh couldn't help himself, but also throw Christian Heidel under the bus recently and acting the way Tunius likes to act. So no matter who is the coach... No matter who's the sporting director, it's still Schalke. And Schalke have this propensity that even when it's going well, to implode in a delicious manner. So um, I'm not going to wish him all the best because it's Schalke, but it makes sense for both parties, in my opinion. Yeah, I got to say, I was actually quite blindsided by that news because I did not expect Schalke to... uh Pull him out of the head, so to speak. Um, I actually thought they would find someone more boring, like a Labadie or so, or a hacking or something like that. This is, uh, I thought, where Schalke were heading. So, um, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, Dave Wagner has proved in, in recent seasons with the uh, Terriers that he can play underdog football, right? So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, it, it's probably for the best if Schalke actually do embrace a, a pressing style and, and, uh, are less depressing in the sense that, uh, they just suck the fun of football out of football. So, um, yeah, a little bit more exciting there. Can only help the Bundesliga. And, uh, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't, apparently it does not matter how terrible Schalke are at football, they still manage to beat Dortmund in, in deciding derbies. So, um, yeah, who cares? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still not over that. I'm sorry. Maybe it's, it's better for the Bundesliga if Schalke are not, uh, the bottom dwellers, but do a little bit better, especially after I, uh, you know, watched the, uh, Hamburg match in Paderborn last Sunday and, uh, it was not very, uh, it was not a happy Sunday for me because as listeners know, I, um, I have a soft spot for the old HSV and I was hoping for them to uh, be promoted again and reintroduced in the Bundesliga where they belong, but uh, they sealed their own fate and they will be in the second division for yet another season and uh, you never know uh, whether that means they will slide down further uh, and, you know, take the road like 1860 Munich, which would be a massive shame, but... Uh, you know, you can get stuck in the second division. It's not an easy league to get out of necessarily, uh, even though I don't know where Nuremberg and Hanover will be going. So, yeah, the next season of second division football would certainly be interesting, but I was very much hoping uh, for Hamburg to get promoted again. And in that same breath, I think it's uh, time to say that uh, maybe uh, Hannes Wolf is not the real deal at all. I mean, he ruined sort of 
I don't know, got Stuttgart relegated or on a very bad run and now did not manage to get promoted with Hamburg. So um, there were a lot of people that were hoping for him to, to join Dortmund in the future at some point. Um, I think we can bury that project for now at least. I mean, he he still might make a comeback at some other position, but uh, yeah, it's not looking good for him right now. Anyway, Matthias, do you want to discuss a couple of transfer rumors or should we knock it on the head and... Uh, put the transfer rumor talk to where it belongs which is after this season ends yeah i think we can prolong that discussion uh to the next time because uh, we've already been recording for an hour and so uh we've got one more match day left and which top one has everything to win uh nothing really to lose because i mean worst situation is your second so hey that's not bad and a victory that's last season Dortmund finished the season on 55 points right now they're on 73 they could be 76 points that is a 21 point turnaround so it's been a very successful very quick turnaround for Borussia Dortmund so I'm looking at next at the final match day um, quite relaxed to be honest well I, I gotta say I'm just glad when it's over and I can be a little bit more positive again because I think once the season is over whether you don't want to finish first or second I will have a much more positive view uh, <laughs> in, in looking back at the entire body of work that Dortmund have put out there throughout the uh, 34 match days then so yeah I'm actually quite happy um, how how the season uh, has went but uh, yeah there are a lot of things to, to talk about but in the meantime, I think it's now uh, time to predict the final match day. I do think that Dortmund will come, a win, uh, come away with a win at Gladbach. I think they will beat the Folds by 3-1. to one And yeah, then we'll hope that they get good news from Frankfurt. But I think this game will actually end in a... Uh, 5-1 victory for Bayern and there will be uh, not a lot of uh, things to discuss there so um, yeah these are my two predictions Matthias what are your final predictions for the season well I also think Dortmund are going to beat Borussia Mönchengladbach I'm going to go with a um, very tight very nervy 2-1 in which Dortmund concede in the last five minutes <laughs> and then concede two uh, corners uh, with great saves and near misses um, and I am hoping that uh, I used to live in Hessen for a while. I went to a lot of Frankfurt matches, even in the Zweite Bundesliga. So I I really like Eintracht Frankfurt. So I'm really, really, really hoping against all odds that Frankfurt pull off a miraculous victory against Bayern, uh, which is definitely in the realm of possibility, but I just don't see it necessarily happening. I think Bayern are going to win and win the league. Dortmund are going to come in second and as one of the best second-placed teams uh, point-wise ever in Bundesliga history. So uh, that will be a little bit of a silver lining. And then, the and then the domestic German season is over for me because there is literally no way I'm watching the DFB Pokal final. <laughs> Yeah, that is fair enough. Now, if there's one team out there uh, this season that deserves a happy ending, I think it's Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, because if they finish in 6th or 7th place or whatever, which is very much possible, that would just be heartbreak, considering how well they've done. And that would basically be the toll they are playing for a spectacular Europa League campaign and then finishing on that 7th place where you have to, you know have basically three days of vacation and start your Europa League qualification campaign. That would just be nonsense. So, uh, dear football gods, uh, help Frankfurt out there and do the Eagles a favor and uh, make them win or whatever, or at least make Wolfsburg lose or so, who I think played home to Augsburg. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's, uh, it's certainly maybe even a good, uh, match day to watch the conference if you can but for now this is all from us matthias please tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on twitter uh you can find me at matthias on twitter thank you for coming on once again you can find me at stefan Wutzko. you can find all of us at yellow World on twitter and facebook if you want to subscribe to the show and uh, do all the nice things 
like subscribing with uh, a nice five star rating on iTunes or rating the show with a comment or so that would help us out big time so please do that and uh, obviously you can also find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher and yeah if you want to contribute financially go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall um Matthias, we will begin soon, hopefully, a project to churn out a little bit more of history content, something you pitched to me on WhatsApp, and I think we should do that throughout the off-season, so please look out for that. And yeah, this is all from us for now, for this week. We will be back definitely next week after uh, what should be, hopefully, a very dramatic final match day 34. Until then, goodbye, and as always, thank you for listening.